Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burrow and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Book Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, going solo this week because J.D. Hall had some scheduling conflicts and Dylan Hughes also had some scheduling conflicts, so I just decided to monologue this week. Um, I kind of noted in the Trailblazer segment that this is going to be kind of recorded a little Tarantino-esque, um, but that's okay because I think some things are just better left at different times. Um, but I figured I should just start with the intro, like, lead the intro with the KD news, and I'm sure if you've been paying attention at all, the KD news, um, Jimmy Butler fell into his knee, and KD is going to have to miss about four weeks with that knee injury. They're projecting for four weeks. It could be more than that. could be less than that. The Nets have been... I'd say one of the best teams in the NBA since Kyrie has come back from his suspension and Jack Vaughn has really taken his stride. Um, in the last couple of games, I'll actually pull up the Nets last couple of games because I haven't been paying super close attention to how they've been doing since the Heat game. They've only they've actually only played one game and they lost to the Celtics by 11. They're playing tomorrow against the Thunder, the surging Thunder, currently in 10th place Thunder. Um... But KD is a guy who, let's face it, he's playing, like, in my opinion, KD's the third best player in the league right now, and you can make a case he's second. Um, I still think Giannis is first. That The way he's playing this year, holy shit. But, man, KD... <laughs> KD, I, hey, listen, I'm very biased towards that man. And he's had a very unimpeachable season to me so far, playing... 39 games um even if he misses a month he's gonna clear how many he played last year pretty easily and it's gonna be tough because this team this Nets team kind of was a house of cards with Katie and to see how they're gonna do without him is going to be a test of Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons in particular's resiliency. Um, This team has scoring talent, but they don't really get to... They have the Clippers problem of not getting to the rim a whole lot. And you, you can survive that when you have Kevin Durant averaging 30 points a game and five assists, right? But when you lose that production... TJ Warren's a good player. But he's his best was 18 points a game in Indiana. And he hasn't played since the 2021 season. This is his first year playing since then. I don't think you can rely on him to replace those KD minutes fully. Um, Seth Curry, you have a lot of scoring, but you need someone to be like, okay, I'm going to put this team on my back. Someone to get to the rim. And Kyrie will do that, but I, I just Simmons needs to be more aggressive shooting the ball. We can't have six field goal attempts a game going forward. It needs to be a ten. That's and that has to be what you have. And 
if the Nets can get out of this stretch being in the top five, let's say, top four, top five, right now they're still, I think, second in the East. They're still second, 27 and 14. Um, This is what building up a lot of wins early in the season does for you. You have a little bit of a cushion. But we saw last year with the Bulls, they were the first seed at the All-Star break, and they ended up finishing sixth. So the cushion gets you a lot of stuff, but then if you don't use that cushion, it can end up biting you in the ass. So we see that a lot of times, and I, I hope that he can um hope that KD makes a speedy recovery because I, I have him as my MVP right now. And if he misses a lot of time, I think he'll knock himself out of the MVP race, which would suck. And I, I really don't want that. I want KD. <laughs> He's going to be a guy where we're going to look back and like, man, you know, how does he only have one MVP? You know, LeBron has four. Um, Derrick Rose won one. You know, and Derrick Rose was a great player, but Derrick Rose isn't a, like even prime Derrick Rose. Well, you know, what we saw in his prime wasn't on Katie's level. Um, I, I think that it's a travesty that he's going to finish with one MVP. I think when we go through history, well, I mean, let's be real here. LeBron should have had like six or seven MVPs for actually doling out like how many MJ should have had seven or eight. So I guess it's never been like actually appropriate how many MVPs a player should have. But. I think that I, I would. I guess that's my selfish reason for wanting him to not have gotten hurt. But hopefully, he has a speedy recovery. And the official diagnosis is a sprain, an MCL sprain. And Shams and Woj are having conflicting reports because Shams says he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, but Woj says four weeks. And so I, I'm more inclined to trust Shams or not Shams. I'm more inclined to trust Woj on that regard. So we'll see. Um. And then, just one other um, injury note I wanted to hit on before I move on to the 76ers is that Otto Porter is done for the season. Um, The Raptors are having the season from hell, and he only played, I want to say he only played, I'm going to look up the exact number, I think he played in like, it was less than 10 games. So, him, miss, I mean, he, he has not been a picture of health since he left Washington. I mean, he wasn't really the picture of health in Washington. That's the reason why they... I mean, actually, <laughs> he played a good amount in Washington. Um, seven. He missed his a lot of his first season, but then 74, 75, 80, 77, and then they traded him halfway through 2018-19. And I, if I might count, he missed like 10 games in Washington. Just doing some like math there, he missed twenty six games total in two thousand eighteen nineteen, but the injuries have started to pile up since that season, and he's not even thirty. Um, he had a great run last year as a contributor for the Warriors, but man, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy <laughs> since he left Washington other than last year. And I don't know if you can count on him as a reliable contributor. And I understand why the war, the Raptors threw money at him. But man, that's that's just rough. You know, and one of the most underrated shooters of his generation, 
I mean, career 39.7% from three. Um, but man, just a, just a tough break for a really, really good shooter. But I think now I'm going to go ahead and move on to the 76ers, who are 25 and 16, good for fifth in the Eastern Conference. Um, so the last five has been kind of weird. They beat the Pacers without Embiid. 129 to 126. The ending of that game was a little controversial. Um, they lost to the Bulls without Embiid. I think I talked about that game with Dylan, how I didn't watch that game and how Vooch absolutely destroyed them. Um, and Levine, I think, went for 11 threes and 41 points. They beat the Pistons in back to back games 123 to 111 and then 147 to 116. And then they've lost to that surging Thunder team I was talking about. 133 to 114. This team. I, I don't know. Like. This team to me. Like, I watch them. And I just feel like they're going through the motions. They're, it feels like they're running in sand. And I, I don't feel like I should be watching a team that's running in sand. I, I feel like I should be watching a team that has actual title aspirations like Embiid <laughs> Embiid is a guy to me who's always going to be you know a killer like 33 and 10 you know 33 and 10 averaging almost two blocks a game um he is just absolutely destroying people again Harden's averaging 22 and 11 um when he gets enough games he's gonna I mean, I'm pretty sure he is leading the league in assists technically at the moment once he gets enough games to qualify to pass Halliburton. Um, I, I just don't feel like he's... It's kind of what I said. I mean, you're going to hear it later. But what I, I said that Grant and Simons kind of have inflated stats, it kind of feels that way with Harden because... It feels like in a normal year, Harden's averaging 18-8, you know? And those are still good numbers, but it it looks better <laughs> in this inflated era where he's... It, everything just looks better because you're averaging more points, you're averaging more assists, but really, you're not that good. And that's, just, that's just the impression. Like, he's not James Harden anymore. He He's just not... And I will say, I think him and Embiid are figuring out that pick and roll. Like, you know, they're getting... Like, I, I love when he gets it to Embiid, when they're running the pick and roll, and Embiid's catching it in motion at the free throw line. There's really nothing you can do, because Embiid can either... Embiid has enough body control to just stop and pop. He can drive hard to the rim and lay it in or dunk it. Like, I mean, there's... I mean, it's literally a limitless pick and roll. Um... But Harden's not the scorer he was in Houston. He's a better playmaker than he was in Houston. But this team, to me, like Maxi, for instance, Maxi is a guy who I think Maxi makes sense for this team. Like he's a good guy to attack closeouts. He's shooting 39% from three on a good amount of attempts. Um, and he drives hard to the rim, keeps the ball moving, you know. I, I just think 
like there's Bradley Beal rumors around this team constantly. And, and I can't help but feel like this team as a landing spot for Bradley Beal. You know, like Maxi is a good player, and our, fr- our my friend Caleb Wynn loves Tyrese Maxi. Absolutely adores Tyrese Maxi. He was on Tyrese Maxi before everyone else was. Um, but I I, I think. Even he would agree. Bradley Beal brings an element that even Harden can't bring at this point, where Bradley Beal can get the two-step, or like the one st- he can catch it at the elbow extended. He can jab step, then do a sidestep jumper to his left, you know, to the other side, you know, where it doesn't, like, Maxi is just straight line drive. Not straight line drive, but, you know, it's not a whole lot of wiggle. Maxi is, you know... 0 to 100 kind of player. And Beal is more like craft and wiggle. And I, I think what Maxi brings to this team that's important is that he has a lot of. He brings a lot of juice to this otherwise. This team is slow. You know, they have PJ Tucker playing a lot. They have George Neang playing a lot. Um, Paul Reed. But Tobias Harris isn't that fast. Um, so it's good that he's bringing juice. But I juice you can anticipate juice in the playoffs. What you can't always anticipate is a hezzy pull up Jimbo, as our guy KD would call it. You know, and I, I think that this team just needs that. Like we're we're seeing what they're missing. And listen, there's a lot of parody this year in the league, 25 and 16, truthfully, is about, you know, it's a 50-win pace. <laughs> and this team just feels like a run-of-the-mill 50-win team. Um, I would say they're worse than all four of the teams ahead of them, and I'd say they're better than the, the four teams ahead of them are Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. And I'd say they're better than all the teams behind them. Um, like New York, Miami, Indiana, Atlanta, Toronto are in the play-in right now. Chicago's a half game behind Toronto, and Washington's a game, like, however many games behind Toronto at 12. Um, so I think Philadelphia is honestly, like, the East right now is, like, honestly picture-perfect in, like, how, not exactly how I thought it'd play out, because I didn't predict Brooklyn having the success that they would, but Philly, to me, I don't know what else you could have reasonably expected. Like, I don't think they have, they should have title aspirations, but I don't think you could expect this team to win a title. Like, there's too many teams I, I think are better than them. Like, I'll, I'll just go through the list. I think Boston, better. Like, just in the league, I think Boston, better than them. Brooklyn, better than them. Milwaukee, better than them. Cleveland, better than them. You could actually quibble with Milwaukee, but I think the three other teams, definitively better than the 76ers. And Embiid, just being blunt, (laughs) has been a bad playoff performer. We've seen Mitchell dominate a playoff series before. I've seen, you know, Embiid, time and time again, (laughs) as much as I hate to say it, has left me wanting more in the playoffs. And I I don't like saying that. You know, I don't like being like, oh, wow, this Embiid guy. You know, what a bum. But, and I'm not saying that, but he's 
he's a guy, right, where I need him to be a player who's just absolutely unstoppable in the playoffs. And in 2021, he was. He got them to the second round, but he couldn't lift them over the finish line against Atlanta. And people always blame Simmons for that series. They always do. But, man, he wasn't the, Simmons wasn't the only reason they lost that game. He just wasn't. I mean, Embiid was bad in that series. Um, last year against Miami, he was hurt. I will grant that. But 23 points, 24 points a game coming off of an electric regular season. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I won't count last year out. We'll just grant last year was a, was an aberration. But against Atlanta, against Atlanta, we had, in the game they lost, game three, or game four, 17 points, 21 rebounds, um, four of 20 from the field. And this is, like, Clint Capella's good. Don't get me wrong. Especially, like, that year I had Clint Capella as the top 50 player. And I stand by that. He was really good that year. Um, He shouldn't. He should have dominated Clint Capella. <laughs> like, there's no excuse for that. And nine of twenty-four in game six, a game which they won, but only four free throw attempts. Um, eleven, like just eleven of twenty-one in game seven. He should have been demanding the ball. I I remember distinctly Tobias Harris doing a lot in game seven of that game, and I'll actually pull up the stats now. Yeah, Tobias Harris shot more. <laughs> Well, if if you include the free throw attempts, it's about a wash. But actually, no. So ten free throw attempts for Embiid's six for Harris. So that means twenty seven total shots for Harris, twenty six for Embiid. He shot more than Embiid in a game seven. I'm sorry, but that's not. That's just not what you want from your star. Like you're a superstar. I want him shooting thirty times. Embiid's a guy who can initiate for himself, and this is the year where he has to answer the calls because if you get the right matchups, right? If you play Brooklyn, I, I think that's really what it comes down to, too. If they play Brooklyn and Boston in the second and third round, there's a chance they make the finals. If they have to play Cleveland or Milwaukee in the second round, I don't think they do because those teams have legitimate, like, Embiid, not Embiid stoppers, but they have Embiid slower downers. Jared Allen is a good center. Brooke Lopez is a good defensive center. Um, those guys can make Embiid work for him. And Mobley on the weak side, Giannis on the weak side. Like, those teams have good defensive infrastructure to go against Embiid. I, I think this team, again, I think they have a good... They have good infrastructure. Maury deserves a lot of credit for improving this team compared to where it was, like, roster-wise even last year. Like, I I think Melton, shocker of all shockers, great pickup. Um, it's playing a lot more than he was in Memphis, and playing surprise of all surprises is playing great. Um, PJ Tucker signing, I, I'm not a huge fan. I think he should probably, you should probably save him for the postseason. 
not save him, but, you know, like 15 minutes a game until the postseason, like kind of how the Bucks did in 2021. I I don't think it's a coincidence that that's the best he's looked in any of these postseasons. Like, the Heat relied on him a ton, and he was worn down. He wasn't hitting shots. He was hitting shots for the Bucks in 2021 because he wasn't playing a lot. And even in 2021, outside of the Nets series, he didn't play a ton. Um, I think that House should be probably playing more. Harris is, I think Harris is more of just a natural four at this point, um, truth be told. I, and I, I'll say Harris, Harris is playing well this year. I like the way he's playing as a floor spacer. I I just don't think I just don't think this team has what it takes to get it done. And it's it's such a cliche, but at the end of the day, this team I they're just molded around Harden. <laughs> you know, as much as it sucks to say. And Harden's not who he was in Houston. Like, 2018 Harden, the 2018 Rockets, and our guy Bryce would disagree with this, but 2018 Rockets were one of the probably best teams that never won a title because of who they had to go up against. And Chris Paul getting hurt had a lot to do with that. But I think that this Harden is not 2018 Harden. He has, not, I'm not going to say fallen precipitously, but it's, it's not been a fun drop. And this guy's just not the same guy. And it's it's okay to acknowledge that, you know. We, and again, Daryl has done a good job building this team. You know, getting a better foundation around. Like, the last couple of regimes, like Elton Brand and Colangelo, did such a bad job. <laughs> I don't think it can be emphasized enough. You know, after they did such a, after he did such a good job of acquiring assets and, you know, first round picks and second round picks, they kind of squandered all of it. And leading to that disastrous 2019-20 team where they had Al Horford and, you know, Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. God, that team was so bad. <laughs> so when you look at it through that lens, you know, this is easy money, but you also have to look like Joel Embiid is a top five player. You have to look at it with title expectations, fair or unfair, and I think it's completely fair to be like, hey, this team deserves to be looked at with a fine tooth comb and be like, hey, you know, this flaw is here, this flaw is here. And I, I don't know. I just think that, truth be told, It's going to come down 100% to matchups. This team is 100% matchup-based. And if they... I, I think... I don't like their chances again. I know I said Boston, but Boston, man, how are they going to guard Tatum and Brown? Like, I... I Tucker can guard one of them. <laughs> but Tucker's getting in his... Tucker's going to be 38 soon, probably. Well, how old is P.J. Tucker? P.J. Tucker is turning 38 in May. So by the time, if, if they play in, they play in the second round, where the um, 76ers are now. So by the time that comes around, P.J. Tucker will be 38. <laughs> P.J. Tucker has great, like he's, he's a great, he takes great care of himself. 
He's in great shape. At some point, it's going to fall off. It happens to Father Time spares nobody. It spares nobody. Not even Tom Brady. We're seeing it in the playoffs. Or we're going to see it in the playoffs. So I I just believe that this team just needs... It needs an identity... Not identity change. I think they should cash in Maxi. I think that's their best bet going forward. He's playing great this year. I'd say pretty easily top 75 player. Um, but if you can get a top 30 player, you got to do it for him. And if you get Bradley Beal, I think that moves them past the Bucks for me. Because right now, the way the Bucks are playing, <laughs> if I was going to power rank the East, it'd be Boston 1, probably Cleveland 2 at this point, and then Brooklyn 3, Milwaukee 4, Philly 5. I mean, until I see Middleton healthy, and until KD comes back, I know he's like 100%. I, I'd have Brooklyn too, but actually, no. I think Cleveland, Cleveland's a sleeping giant. <laughs> like, they really are. And right now, right now it'd be Cleveland-Philly in the 4-5, which, holy smokes, <laughs> that would be fireworks. Fireworks. Um, I know... I said that they'd have a hard time scoring on the two bigs, but still, it's it's a beat. And beat is gonna do is gonna go to work, no matter who. He's just gonna they're just gonna slow him down a little better than Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons. Um. So, yeah, I just think this team they need to get their head out of their asses too. I think that's one of the other things. They just kind of play with a malaise. <laughs> This team, every time I watch them, they're just it just feels like they play slow. And not in like a good way, like, oh, you know, they play with pace, you know, oh blah blah blah. No, it just feels like they're kind of sleepwalking and jogging out there. Like they're and a lot of that does start with Harden, you know. He's not a good defensive player, never has been. Maxie's not a great defensive player. Now it doesn't help that the last six year game I watched was a game where they got destroyed by SGA. <laughs> SGA's been destroying everybody. Um, by the way, we have to take him. I, I think he's top 25 player. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Um, that's He's been playing great this year. But, man. I I think that the Sixers team needs a lot of work. And we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Portland Trailblazers, who are 19 and 22, good for 11th in the Western Conference. They've fallen a lot since the last time we talked about them on this podcast. Um, the last five games, they beat the Pistons 135. Actually, sorry, it's not in the last five games. They um they're on a five game losing streak. Lost to the Wolves 113 106. Lost to the Pacers 108 99. Lost to the Raptors, 117-105. Lost to the Magic, 109-106. And lost to the Cavs, 119-113. This team <laughs> is a team. Um, They are a little bit hurt right now. They're missing Nasir Little. And they're missing Justice Winslow. I think that's important to note. Because this team is a mess on the defensive end right now. And I do think having those two guys healthy would 
not going to say solve all their problems on defense because I'll, I'll get to what I think there a lot of their problems are on defense on the defensive side, but this team I had different expectations going in and we're, we're at the 19 we're at the 41 game mark with the Blazers. Um, I'm recording this on Friday night. I'm going to be recording this podcast kind of weird, um, kind of out of order, like a Tarantino movie, but there, the, the Trailblazers didn't play on Friday night. So the Cavs game was the last game they played and they, they just couldn't get a stop against the Cavs. You know, it, it was like, okay, they could score at will on the Cavs, which is great, but Dean scored 50 <laughs> and they still lost. And I just, I can't help but feel like that's a problem. And call me crazy. Dame is just having another spectacular year. He's, his shooting is down from three at 36%. Um, the field goal percentage is at 44%. But 28 points a game, seven assists. I mean, getting to the line almost eight times a game. Pick and roll maestro. I don't know what more you could ask, especially at the age of 32. You brought in Jeremy Grant for help. You brought in Simons for help. I mean, I know Simons obviously has been there the whole time, but you were hoping Simons could replace the CJ McCollum thing. And I, I don't know. This is, this is going to take a sharp left turn. <laughs> Maybe this is Dame's fault. Maybe this is what happens when you are like, okay, hey, I'm the point guard. You know, the ball is my responsibility. But I can't help but feel like, you know, we saw this with CJ McCollum too. And I think CJ McCollum is a better on-ball player than both Jimmy Grant and Anthony Simons. I mean, look what he did in New Orleans last year, freed from the shackles of playing with Damian Lillard. And no offense to Dame. I mean... But he takes up a lot of usage, and I think he's like—I think he's definitely a guy who's like, okay, this other way isn't working. It's time to do it my way, which is great. It's all fine and dandy, but the problem is, is that you get locked into doing it a very specific way, and we've seen time and again <laughs> that that system just doesn't work, and this team doesn't have enough depth to do it that way. Because they need to have Simons being a better player when Dame's not on the court. And I know he's he's had a good season so far, but lately it just feels like he's been floundering. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant and Simons are both averaging 22 a game. But it, it just feels like those numbers are kind of fake. <laughs> like, it feels like those numbers are just the product of the inflated stats environment known as the NBA. It feels like in reality, both of those guys are like 18 point game scorers and Dame is like a 25 point game scorer, you know, in a reality where teams are scoring 100 points a game, which is fine. <laughs> but the problem is, is this team goes up 105 on a regular basis, looking at cleaning the glass. Their offense is 13th. Pretty good. Their defense is 22nd. They've been negative point differential right now. Um, and again, I think I'm not going to get into that yet, but the offense with this, the group they have 
they have shooters, right? Josh Hart, in theory, is a guy who can stretch the floor for you, but he's not doing much. 34% from three. 35 will round up for Josh on two attempts a game. That's not enough. He needs to shoot more. Um, Jeremy Grant needs to let it fly more from three. Six attempts a game. 20 attempts, or 20, 21 attempts combined for Simons and Lillard from three. That's a lot, but I feel like what this team needs more so is they need guys to catch it in the rhythm, in the flow, and catch and shoot threes for the role players. And I don't feel like this team, I, I, again, I don't know if it's a product of coaching or I don't know if it's a product of, hey, this is the guy. He's been playing a certain way for, since LaMarcus Aldridge left, he's been playing that way for, has it been 10 years now almost? I mean, it's been, it's been a long while. LaMarcus left in 2015. <laughs> so it's been like before the 2000, or the 2015-16 season. So it's been a while since LaMarcus played in. I mean, LaMarcus isn't even in the league this year, <laughs> to give you an idea. Um, and I was actually texting Dylan and Caleb this earlier. I think a good comparison for these teams is that first iteration without Aldridge, where it was like Plumley and was Plumley and Aminu and Harkless and CJ. And that team kind of was floundering. But even that team, like, you know, didn't have Jeremy Grant. And I, I just don't know. The West isn't as good as it was then. And the Blazers still were making the playoffs. They were they were a seed, but they were fighting for the playoffs in a tougher, objectively tougher Western Conference. I, I do think the center has a lot to do with it. Um, Nurkic. I've been a huge fan of Nurkic. I was texting, you know, I was bouncing ideas off of Caleb. And he, he said, you know, you're a big Nurkic guy. I'm like, listen, you know, I'm willing to change my mind. And this is one where I have to take the L and realize, hey, Nurkic just isn't the guy he used to be. He's he's just a little over the hill. And there's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. He's... So for the season, 14 points a game, um, 10 rebounds, three assists, a block of steal, um, 53% from the field, 38% from three, 67% from the line. You're like, okay, those are pretty good numbers. But this is why basketball is deeper than the numbers. And actually, I'm about to pull out a number. But you have to, this is a good number for you to look at. So on cleaning the glass, they have this nice little nifty stack called defense shooting frequency where you can see where opponents got a lot of their shots from, right? Like what percentage of their shots Denver is leading the league in shots a lot at the rim with the level of defensive perimeter talent they've added. It's just unacceptable. Gary Payton, um, Jeremy Grant, you know, you have a ton, your defense should be way better. Josh Hart last year, your defense should be way better this year, and it should be way better than 22nd. And I, I can't help but feel that a lot of it is coming from the subpar center production. And 
Nurkic to me is a guy who would thrive, right? As a six man. You throw him in a Montrez Harrell, Enos Cantor role. I mean, honestly, you throw him in a Montrez Harrell role. He's going to just wreck fools off the bench. But, you know, there's a lot of ego there. He just signed a pretty big contract over the summer. And it's it's fair to ask, you know, is that guy willing to take the step down? Especially when, I mean, frankly, he's been pretty good his whole career. You know, when he's been on the floor. And I, I understand him maybe not wanting to do that. But at some point, maybe Chauncey doesn't have the cachet to do this yet. He's only been coaching two years but if a hall of famer doesn't have the cachet to do it i don't know who does honestly i mean he's a freaking hall of famer and but I, I, then again it's not like he'd bench him for drew eubanks eubanks is even worse than than Nurkic. um they were playing winslow a good amount at center the first time around Obviously, Winslow hasn't played in a little while, so that does change the calculus a little bit on that. They had a guy who was perfect for playing center, small ball-wise, who would have been perfect in the role they needed him for. They sent him to New Orleans in the C.J. McCollum trade. I, I, I still don't understand why Larry Nance. Larry Nance... I know, I understand Larry Nance, you could probably make a case that he's one of the captains of the on-paper All-Stars with Robert Covington, but man, we saw what he did in New Orleans last year. We saw what he did in Cleveland the year before. Um, I just don't know why he couldn't do that for a team like Portland. It just it boggles the mind. They could really use a guy like him, and he's not going to fix all their problems. They need actual size and mobility at that five spot. And plus, if they have like a my my solution for this always will be Rashawn Holmes. That guy is just languishing in anonymity in Sacramento, and he he should be free. And I think that guy. If you want my honest opinion, that guy could really help this team, especially as a roll threat. He's got that 15-footer. But I I don't think – I just don't think at this stage Nurkic is the guy who can get that done for you. And I don't think Nurkic – I don't think Nurkic is a guy – like, I, I, I think if he was willing to take that – lesser role. If he was willing to come off the bench and average, you know, 13 and 8 off the bench, he's a good ball mover. You know, he can do things with the ball. I, I just don't know if he's willing to take that step. Um, Some other stuff about this team, because I don't just want to rag on Nurkic. I mean, Grant, I, I feel like Grant, we have to take him seriously as top 75 player now. Um, maybe even top 60. I don't think I'll go that far. But he has proven that he is a, like a legit scorer. And he is legit. Like, okay, this guy's a good shooter. He's like, if you throw him in a role where he's the secondary or 
tertiary option, I guess, if you want to say. I'd say it's 2A, 2B between him and Simons. You don't hate yourself, right? Like, okay, we're not in the worst spot in the world. Um, Speaking of Simons, I, I just, I feel like I need to see more. Um, It feels like this is CJ 2.0, except he's not as good as CJ. Um, The shoot, he's a lot better of a shooter. But I do feel like CJ had just a lot of an edge of being of being a like creator for others that Simon's just doesn't have. Like so basketball reference. Let's see. How many games how many times has he had more than six assists? Let's see. So he hasn't had his season high is eight. He's done that twice. He's had seven assists four times. So six games. So and then looks like about six I'm not gonna do the exact math. Looks like he's 11 games of six or more assists out of 39. I, I kind of want more from a guy who's has the ball in his hands so much. And he has it in his hands a lot. Um, I think that's a natural next step for him. I know Dame has the ball in his hands a lot. But I, I think that Simons, you know, as he gets older... He's a guy who needs to progress in that way. Otherwise, he's not going to take that next step as a player. And he's not going to get to that CJ McCollum level, <laughs> which is funny. I understand why they traded CJ, because he was getting old and you needed to move on with your team. But it's funny that you kept Dame around, too, at the same time and then threw him that massive contract extension. Um, And I, I guess that's kind of my thing with this team. This team, I think, thought they were going to be better than they they are now. And to be fair, the standings are all kind of jumbled up. Like, they're a half game behind Minnesota for the 10th seed. They're, two, they're, like, two games behind Utah for the 9th seed. So, really, anything's possible. Um, by the time this comes out, they might even be end up being the 9th seed. Like, who knows? Um, I, this team to me, just, they need to realize that this team kind of has always approached, like, right down the middle, like, okay, we just want to make the playoffs. Playoffs are bust, you know, playoff mandate, like the Pacers. Them and the Pacers are very reminiscent of each other, and Kevin Pritchard, came from the pace or came from the trailblazers if memory serves um and you see a lot of holding patterns <laughs> within those two organizations and I, I think that listen if i'm the blazers i'm trying to be aggressive i think the west is weak i think i have a top five player in the conference probably and I'm like, cause listen, as good as SGA's been, as good as Jaw's been, as good as, you know, Luca, as good as whoever's been, I'll take my chances with Dame on my side anytime. And I know Luca, that's a big proposition. But like those other guys, <laughs> like Booker, you know, all those young guys, I'll take Dame on my side. You know, like he just has he killed the Nuggets that one year. He like I mean he dragged them to the conference finals in nineteen. And I know JD rags on them, and he's not wrong for it. Like his points are 
well founded in logic. But man, this team should just be fighting like hell to get to that next level. Um, some other quick observations, real quick, before I move on to the other teams. Shade and Sharp, kids bouncy. I think that's a guy, though. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying give up on him. That's a guy where I'm like, okay, if the right player comes along, if I can get a star, right? Like, because as good as Simons and Grant are, they're not stars. If I can get a star next to Dame, I'm like, okay, Sharp, let's see what we can get for you and, like, package you with another guy. Maybe I think this team would be a good DeAndre Ayton team. Um, by the time this comes out, trade season will like basically be here so that'll be something to monitor um there's a lot of different avenues this team could go um jabari walker intrigued um yusuf nurkic one more thing stop shooting threes <laughs> i hate the nurkic threes as much as i complimented your offensive game josh hart be more aggressive on offense um the, the floor is spaced better when you shoot more threes. And I know you're not making a whole lot of them, but it'll, it'll just, trust me, it'll be better if you shoot more threes. And then, yeah, they just gotta upgrade that Eubank spot, if nothing else. Because the Nurkic thing is whatever, right? Like, he's not the worst center starting for a West playoff. I'm, I actually, uh, let's see, I, I say that, but... So, okay, so Jokic, Adams, I'll take those guys over Nurkic, Valanciunas, obviously. Okay, I'll take Nurkic over Dwight Powell. <laughs> but if Christian Wood is starting, I will take Christian Wood over Nurkic. Um, Sabonis, I will take Sabonis. Zubac, I will take Zubac over Nurkic. Aiden, I will obviously take Aiden. Looney, I mean, you have to take the Loon Dog. Um... I mean, is Walker Kessler the Jazz's starting center? I think I'll take I'll think I'll take Nurkic, and then I'll take whoever's starting. I'll take Nurkic over whoever's starting in Oklahoma City, which is I think Jay Lynn from Arkansas. So <laughs> that Eubank spot, though, you just that like cannot be emphasized enough. If they're gonna be, if I'm gonna take them seriously, they just can't leave that spot vacant going into the playoffs. Um. I think that's all I have on the Blazers. And let's go ahead and move on to the next team. And now we move on to the Houston Rockets, who um, I'm recording this on Friday night immediately after they got shellacked by the Sacramento Kings. And so I'll, I'll factor that into my last five games, but they're 10 and 32, I believe is the, the, updated record yes 10 and 32 um they've lost 14 of their last 15 games they i think it's safe to say are the worst team in the nba right now um i think they've taken that taken over that title i think they probably i think they are the worst team in the nba them are the hornets or the pistons one of those three um but the last five so let's Go back to game four. Or, so they lost to the Pelicans, 108 to 119. Lost to the Jazz, 131 to 114. Lost to the Timberwolves, 106 
104 to 96. Lost to the Kings, 135 to 115. Then lost to the Kings again, like, again, 20 minutes ago, 139 to 114. Um, this team stinks. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Um, this team has talent. There's no denying that it does. I I wanted to give Steven Silas... I, I don't think the opportunity he was given here was fair. I think on a different team with actual veterans and a chance to actually implement a system that he would have had a better chance of succeeding as a head coach. This team was just rudderless. Um, the front office wanted to hand the keys to two young guards and that's fine. Um, but they didn't, the veteran talent they put on this team to supplement those young guards just isn't good enough to, like, there's no, there's no floor general to lead these guys on the floor. They had that guy, and they didn't let him compete for the starting point guard spot because they wanted to develop Kevin Porter Jr. Fine. I, I think the way they handled the John Wall situation was abjectly horrible. I've said that the whole time. I've been pretty consistent on that, and I, I, you see what he's doing in the Los Angeles and thought, hey, why couldn't he have done that? Why couldn't he have competed for a starting spot in, in Houston and at least try to, you know, help these guys get to a better spot? It's dumbfounding. You see Eric Gordon <laughs> give a quote in the press. You know that this is bad. This, you know, this is bad. Eric Gordon gave a quote in the press. They asked him, like, hey, how's what's the development you've seen from your team this year? And he goes, what development? <laughs> um, listen, Eric Gordon's a pro's pro. <laughs> he knows what he's doing there. And he knows there's been no development from the Houston Rockets this year. It doesn't take a fool to see that there has been no development from the Houston Rockets this year. Um, now... Does that mean there has been no individual development? No. I think that Jalen Green has gotten better. As the improvements come in the area you'd like to see? No. <laughs> but he has gotten better. Um, I, I, The defense leaves a lot to be desired still. The playmaking leaves a lot to be desired still. And until those get better, I don't think he'll be a top 50 player. I had him in my top 100 last year. I had him higher than I think most people will have him even this year. I think this year he hasn't done anything to dissuade me from having him. I think I had him at 80 last year. And I don't think he's done anything to dissuade me from having him at 80. The jumper really started to fall in the second half of the year last year. And it, it hasn't fallen yet. He's played all 42 this year. Um... 40% from the field, 32% from three. Really huge dip in efficiency. I mean, even even Anthony Edwards came out and said, you know, Jalen's special, KPJ's special, but the guy we got we had the game plan for was Shangun. Like, the fact that Ant came out and said that, <laughs> Ant's not shy about disrespecting his opponents. The fact that he was willing to go on the record and say that says a lot to me. And I I think it honestly says more about where Jalen Green is at this point. Because he's... 
So, okay. So, Anthony Edwards, right? Anthony Edwards was big and imposing. Ja, ja was a better passer. He, you just want to compare Jalen Green to other like prospects of his ilk. You know, Ja was a better passer. You know, Devin Booker is better scorer. Like, you just go on down the line. Donovan Mitchell, same thing. Um, You compare him to, like, his peers, right? The guys that should be his peers. And they all just do stuff better than Jalen Green does at this point. Now, I'm not going to say he can't grow into it, because I still think he's really good. That being said, I just... I don't know if they quit on Silas. You know, a lot of these guys weren't there when Silas got there. Um, Because Silas has only been there since the start of the 2021 season. But man, (laughs) these results have been not encouraging. Um, KJ Martin requested a trade, which, by the way, if I'm a team that's in need of a power forward, hey, please give me KJ Martin. Because that guy, that guy can play. And the jumper is not falling for him this year either. They don't have a true point. They don't. And as much as they're trying with Kevin Porter Jr., that that experiment's not working. (laughs) It's not. He's off guard. He just is. And it's really stunting. I'm going to talk about this guy. It's really stunting the development of Jabari Smith Jr. This guy... He could be special in a different team. Right now, he's shooting 38% from the field, 32% from three. Um, That is brutal, <laughs> okay? If you if you was drafted onto the Thunder right now, I bet those percentages are increased by at least six percentage points on each of those. Not six percentage points, but like six percent. So... 37% from three, 30, 44% from the field, if you throw him on the Thunder in that infrastructure. He he just... Uh, I honestly... Okay, maybe this is just my misinterpretation of the situation. But Silas, because I believe Silas coached in Dallas. I'll, I'll check his basketball reference real quick. I believe Silas was in Dallas with Carlisle. Yeah, he was. Um... So, you know, my, and I believed he was the offensive guru. So I just thought things would be more modern in Houston than they have been. And to be fair, um, he has been given a really dreadful situation. So I'm guessing if he, I hope he gets another chance so we can see him with an actual team. Caveats, caveats, caveats. That being said, um... Yeah, it's not really that modern. I'd play Jabari. Man, I think I'd always play him with Garrison Matthews. That guy just like knows what he's doing. <laughs> that guy, and the, he's. I don't know why he fell out of the rotation this year. Last year, that guy was so good for them. Um, like an actual legitimate difference maker for the Rockets, and. Listen, I, I think everyone's going for Wimanyama this year, right? I think the Rockets are in a position where even if they get the first pick, they should legitimately think about just taking Scoop first. Because if they get Wimanyama, 
what what's he gonna do is he gonna be the point guard jabari can't dribble is is shingun gonna be the point guard shingun's shingun was the youngest player i think to the youngest center i think to ever get a triple double i saw on the last game against the kings did they lose by 20 yes so take that with what you will right now shingun is averaging 2.8 assists to 2.1 turnovers a game. Um, which means he's trying a lot of stuff and not really converting it because his teammates can't convert shots. The Rockets have the worst offense in the league. 109 offensive rating. That would be like a really good offensive rating in 2014. It's... This team... Back to, back to Jabari because... This guy should probably be playing more center. If he was on a different team, he was probably playing more of a center role. And that's where I think the modern thing comes in. Because if I'm a coach, right, and maybe this is just me, I'm running a lot of pick and pops with him. I'm trying to get him on the short roll more. Because I think he, he doesn't have ball skills. But the way you can compensate for that is by using him as a screener and allowing him to use his jump shot, use his finishing ability. I mean, he's getting, he's drawing a lot of, not a lot of fouls, but every time I've seen Jabari, he gets to the foul line a good amount. You know, maybe I'm just watching the games where he does get fouled. But every time I watch the Rockets, he always seems to get fouled a good amount. Um, Jalen just isn't a good passer. That's fine. Um, He's a play finisher rather than a play initiator. Porter Jr., I, I don't think he's a terrible passer. I know I said he's a off-guard. He's D'Angelo Russell, and nobody's a huge fan of D'Angelo Russell. But if I have D'Angelo Russell, I, I could do worse. But I, I I don't like it, you know? And I, I think that's where, if I'm a Rockets fan, that's where I am right now. I don't like where I'm at, but I don't hate it either. And I, if I can get scooped... <laughs> Scoot just makes this team, I think, elevates them to another tier. Um, Jay Sean Tate's played six games this year. I think I've watched all six of those games somehow. Um, real, I, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here, but... Shangoon. My guy has been having an interesting year. He started the year coming off the bench. That must have only lasted for three games because he started 34 games, um, averaging 14, 9, 3 assists. He's been... Listen, if you get him the ball in the post, he's going to make something happen. Now, is that something going to be good or bad? More often than not, it'll actually probably be good. I, I think that he's a guy... I think he could be Sabonis. And I, th- I think he's a little bit better of a passer than Sabonis. Which we're seeing, like, I mean, at his age, I'll say. He's showing better flat passing flashes than Sabonis did. When, I guess, at this age, Sabonis was still at Gonzaga. <laughs> so take that with what you will. But, um, Shingun has a lot of passing touch. He's like, he flips a lot of crazy behind the back passes. He does a lot of crazy stuff. 
the defense is what's going to kill you. But I don't think... Listen, he's a young big. He's got hops. He's got a smart brain. I think he'll figure it out. I mean, he's averaging almost a black a game. Now, is that great for, like, a seven-footer? No. But... I think he could get to, like, a block and a half a game. I don't think that's unreasonable. And if you have that, that's, like, a pretty average starting center. And I think if he's average, he could be a plus center in the league. Because we've seen... Like, I mean, then you're approaching, like, the reverence with which I talk about Prime Nurkic. You know? And that's a guy... Like, that's a killer of an offense player. A killer of a player in general. And... I'm just not going to rule it out with him. I, It's bad. I'm not going to act like it's not. But he's on a team that's with a bunch of listless defenders. Who's their defensive captain, you know? Like, who's the guy who's, like, pointing them, telling them to run over screens, telling them to, you know, drop? Eric Gordon's not that guy. Eric Gordon's a fine defender, but he's no one's idea of Kevin Garnett. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, hey, Eric, you know, I'm not going to throw him on who's a good defensive team. I'm not going to throw him on the Celtics and be like, hey, you know, you're the captain of this defense. He knows his place. He knows what his job is. And it's unrealistic to expect him to be like, hey, you know, you're the defensive captain. He he can only do so much. And I think you're seeing that frustration boil over with him. He, he needs to get out of there for his own sake. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Free him. Get, get him to Phoenix. He's wanted to be in Phoenix literally for the past 10 years. And just let him have what he wants. It's about time. He's wanted to be in Phoenix since he was a restricted free agent. Um, some other things about this team. I I hope we're going to finally start to see... Some, Kevin Porter Jr.'s out. I hope that means we're going to finally get to see some Josh Christopher minutes. That man does not deserve to be sitting on the pine as much as he has this year. He played well last year. I'm convinced of this. Um, Garuba, I'm glad he's getting to play this year. I'd rather play Christopher than Knicks. I'll just say that. Um, Christopher and Garrison Matthews, two guys who were on last year's team, who played a lot more, who should be playing more this year. And I'm I'm just going to say, I've been kind of like tiptoeing around it. Steven Silas has done a fine job with the rat. Like, not fine. <laughs> he was dealt a shitty hand. But <sighs> if the players are going to tune you out, I, I, there's just nothing you can do. You got to go. And you got to bring in a guy who will get the players to listen to you. I don't know if there's a Jacques Vaughn around the corner for them. Right? Like what Jacques Vaughn's doing in Brooklyn right now. But, man. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate because I love what they're doing and like I love the talent they have in Houston but just the organization everyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm not a fan of this organization I just never will never have been never will be Um, (laughs) especially the owner and especially the way they handled the whole Daryl Morey situation where Daryl Morey was like hey I know I'm leaving let's go ahead and screw the franchise on the way out Go look at that Russell Westbrook trade with Oklahoma City. Tell me he didn't know exactly what he was doing, because he did. Um, This team... This team is just... 
it's bad. I mean, there's not a lot of bright spots. You could... Like, I found more bright spots on the Pistons than the Magic. Like, I found more bright spots on the Pistons. I could find a lot more bright spots on the Hornets. Even with everything bad that happened in Charlotte. Like, I could find more... Like, with all the arrests that were happening there the first time, I could find more bright spots in Charlotte. It's it's not good right now in Houston. And I... Listen, if Shingun and Green... I think their goal from this season should be have Shingun and Green develop a Jabbar, like a Jokic and Murray kind of two-man game. You know, where, like, between the legs bounce pass, you know, into a dribble handoff, like, three. You know what I mean? Like, something like that, where their, their two-man game just becomes lethal. And then Jabari's playing off of that and becomes a weak side room protector. I, I think that's their destiny, maybe. And then they get Scoot Henderson in the draft. Realistically, I don't know what their what their projections are because this team sucks, and they've gotten to they've jumped in the lottery twice. The recent lottery finishing suggests that won't happen again. So, who's to say what's going to happen this year with the Rockets? I am inclined to believe that. They're going to have pretty shitty luck the rest of the way. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Power Hour. Um, again, shout out JD. I know he couldn't be on this episode, but he will be back soon. Um, and we'll be doing all-star predictions pretty soon. All-star starters are going to be announced in like a couple weeks, I think. Actually, I think it's going to be the week after next. So, um... It's coming pretty soon, so JD and I will be giving you our all-stars pretty soon. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for that. The next teams on the docket, I actually have a list. Um, so the next teams that we do will be the Lakers, Heat, and Timberwolves. <laughs> Ooh, buddy, that is going to be an episode. Um, you can make a case all three of those are the bad teams for that episode. Um... But so stay tuned for that. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. Zach Griffith is on every week through the Super Bowl. Um, and that'll be a blast. Make sure you listen for that. Um, speaking of Zach Griffith, make sure you stay tuned to Circle City Cinema. He just had an episode out discussing The Whale, Babylon, and Avatar, The Way of Water. Also, speaking of Zach Griffith, he and Dylan Hughes will be on at some point. We're going to be drafting in honor of the Super Bowl. We're going to be doing a power hour where we draft NBA players. And we're going to draft offensive side of the offensive side of the field for an NFL team using NBA players. So make sure you stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of awesome content coming up on the Running Hook Podcast Network. You do not want to miss it.